Well, hey there, everybody. Today is Monday, Thursday. This is episode 45 of Game Store Profits. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. How you doing today, Mike? We are, we are as we are recording, right on the cusp of uh, the probably the most significant weekend of our faith. I'm guessing you're a busy guy the next couple of days. I have been a busy guy. I will be a busy guy. I am pretty much surrounded by busy lately, but it's good. It's, it's all a good, good kind of busy. It's a good kind of busy. Yeah, it's the kind of busy that is just neck deep in doing stuff that is awesome. And really, if you're going to be busy doing anything, stuff that is awesome is, is a good way to go. I agree. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, awesome is better than not. All right, before we go down this inane tr rabbit trail into ridiculousness, let's talk about one thing that, Luke, you and I both are very excited that this happened, but at the same point are pining for the fact that neither one of us got to experience it yet. Bioshock Infinite finally hit. Oh, I thought you were talking about SimCity. Oh, I, no, we'll talk about that. In All a right, let's we can talk, talk about, about that one later. Let's talk about a good game that doesn't have problems. Uh, other than the fact that it's 60 bucks and we don't, we don't have that at the moment. Right, well, we can't fault the game for that. That's, That's true. That's true. Bioshock Infinite is out. Uh, I know you're a huge Bioshock 1 fan. I would say that Bioshock ranks probably easily in my top 10 games of all time. It would, pr it, depending on my mood, would probably rank top 5. I love this, the atmosphere of it. I love the whole Ayn Rand, the, the, the complete humanist experience, you know, screw consequences, whatever. I'm just going to do it. And then well, and, watches chaos ensues. And, I mean, the game is essentially a shooter. And and remember, Bioshock came out, uh, this was a while ago, so it was a fairly, fairly rudimentary shooter at that. But the whole game is just so richly layered with philosophical, psychological, just meat, you know? And uh, you're playing this game, and at the same time, you're thinking... This is visually stunning and emotionally just horrifying. And then you get to Bioshock 2, which really is just a mediocre shooter. We, we, we don't talk about Bioshock 2. And so, of course, we all worry, wonder, what's going to happen next for Bioshock? Well, they have certainly gone back uh, to the world of the original, the uh, that vibe with... All of that incredibly vibrant world that's layered with not only, I mean, visually it's crazy, but also all of the philosophy and all of the politics and all of the things that are happening that don't need to be there, per se, to make a game. You know what I mean? In, in all honesty, I'm a little upset with myself. I wish I had planned ahead and kind of squirreled away some money to get this game because I knew we'd be recording tonight after it dropped. And I wanted to really get into, and I'm, I'm sure at some point I am going to own this, and it's it, pretty much whenever we record after I own it, I will get into this. Because there is so much just deep imagery. Just This, this, this game is soaking in imagery. Well, and, and one of them, we've talked about this before, and, and so I'm really interested to see what it's really about. But it is an interest, it is a game where faith, religion... Is going to play a fairly significant role, uh, at least in the setting. From what I've heard, uh, there, I don't want to get into too much other than what's seen in like press right. releases and stuff Absolutely. like that. Partly out of my own ignorance and partly because we here hate spoilers. Uh, that we do. Um, the whole idea is that one of the big bad guys in this is this guy by the, whose last name is Comstock. And Comstock apparently views himself a prophet. And, and so from what I hear, and again, this is completely hearsay... Uh, one of the very first things that happens to get you into Columbia, which is the, the floating city that this game takes place in, is you get baptized in the name of, of the Father and the Founding Fathers. Like, he has escalated and elevated the Founding Fathers to deity. I mean, I'm a big Thomas Jefferson fan, but that's a little much. But, I mean, just the ideas, all of that cool, like philosophy and religion and politics and they just go there you know they don't they're not holding back like they you know kind of did in Bioshock 2 see there's there's some rumors that there was some there was some holding back but really 
Every time I've seen a rumor of, of oh, we changed this because someone got offended, they said, forget that. Every Everything that has been put out there as a rumor for this game, you know, isn't going to go there, they put that down. No, no. N- no one should be offended. We're not going for that. But at the same point, we also have no desire to hold anything back. We are going there. We are making you deal with it. We are making you experience the world that we have, have built here, the the understanding of what Columbia is about, what Bioshock is about. And I am I'm so giddy because this also brings in the idea of multiple factions going on. It's not just Comstock, the big bad guy, go kill the big bad guy. Um which I, 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 in all honesty, I didn't even play Bioshock 2 more than the demo because the uh, demo was so <laughs> awful. I played, uh, I was uh, Gamefly. Okay. And so it like got to my house, it got in my system for maybe like an hour and it was gone. See, to me it looked like, from what I understood of it, the game focused com- almost completely around the big sister and you're going to fight the big sister and that's it. Right. Whereas in Bioshock, in the first game... It was all the different factions of Rapture. Obviously, Andrew Ryan was a big deal, but then you had the you know the other stuff that's going on, and you eventually get to the. It, this game has been out long enough. If you're really upset, calm down, just pause, and skip a little bit because all I need to say is the words "Would you kindly." And you understand the the depth of this faction going up against this guy and this guy pretending to be like this, but he's not. And I that's his. Oh, I'm so giddy just talking about this story, and I'm trying hard not to spoiler. So often though, we're still talking about that that kind of stuff in games. And this was a long time ago when Bioshock came out. You know, look, you you want to be able to have f- fun doing the gamey bit, right? Pointing at the thing on the screen and blowing it up. And you absolutely do. But while you're doing the gamey bit, there's this story and this world where a whole different part of your brain is completely engaged as you're wondering, what in the world's going on here? Because this place is crazy. And you're trying to figure out who's good, who's bad. what Am I I working for the right team? What's, What's happening here? And they're able to layer that in so well that I'm really excited about Bioshock Infinite. But this brings me to an interesting question. Okay. Okay. One that I kind of want to give a couple minutes to here on the show. Now, I remember uh, toward the end of last year, you know, we do our year in and roundup kind of thing. As we are wont to do. Right. As is everybody is wont to do. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Uh, and we talked... To, uh, about what you're most looking forward to this year. And I think the number one thing on your list was... One of mine was, in fact, Bioshock Infinite. Right. And now, okay, let's let's all just be real honest with each other and realize that everybody has budgets and, you know, whatever. We all deal with that. But, you know, I think that it's not just budget that's influenced you. It's budget plus the knowledge that in as little as three or four weeks... This game's probably going to be a whole lot cheaper on Steam. Yeah, the Steam summer sale is going to be right around the corner, and I know it's going to be there. Well, and so that that brings up an interesting question. Uh, you know, at this point, when we're when you buy a game new, and I've done this, I buy games new every now and again, but but you're really paying. You know, it's it's almost worse than the car. You know, you buy the car on the lot, you lose it whatever, a quarter of its value or whatever, as soon, as soon as you take it off the lot, you know? It's almost worse than that, right? It's You know really quick that this game is going to be cheaper. What you pay for Civilization, like, three months after I paid for it? <laughs> I, I paid something like, like $7. Like Ten bucks or something, right? And I paid 60 Yeah. Right? Um, it's crazy. It's uh, The whole system, I think, is a little out of whack. Yeah, it, it happens to... It's like most things. You you hunt and you you be patient and you just kind of go around finding the the right sale and things like that. In all honesty, Steam is the reason why I own as many video games as I have because every once in a while there like the the last AAA title I bought was XCOM. The reason I bought XCOM when I did was because Steam was selling it for 33% off. Right. I paid full price for XCOM. 
so uh, you know the question is is are you interested do you even want to be like that first buyer or is that just so not interesting to you when you know that you're going to be able to discount it deeply not too long from now I, I will say that it's been a while since there's been a title out there that has intrigued me so much that I desperately want to be there for the opening do of the doors. I will say, however, that I happened to be up at midnight when a certain title went available on Steam, and more than once or twice, my hand kind of hovered over the buy now button, but I did not click it, mostly because I simply don't have that money right now. Well, okay, so, but would you have had you had the money? Yes. Okay. I, w I will completely cop to that. Uh, I, I'm, I've gotten to a point where I don't pre-order stuff anymore, and I think the Aliens Colonial Marines debacle kind of set me on edge with that. Like, I already didn't like pre-ordering to begin with, but then right. that happened. Uh, for those of you who might not know the story of this, they released a game, Aliens Colonial Marines, and they showed it at all the big shows, you know, E3 and on all this stuff, with this amazing, like, video. And they say, oh yes, this is gameplay. Well, what you figured out later, what they revealed was, is that it wasn't gameplay. It was a pre-rendered trailer that they made look like it was gameplay. The stuff that was in there was not in the game. The game bugged out left, right, and sideways. And, like, whole scenes in the trailers did not exist in the game. All the textures and everything didn't exist in the game. Basically, what they did was they're going to get everybody to pre-order it. And then, like, I think just within the past week or so, they released this epic patch that supposedly fixed a lot of the problems. So they pretty much released the game unfinished. And everyone in the industry just said, you just lied to us. And then made us try, you tried to make us feel bad for lying to us. <laughs> Well, and this is, I mean, okay, look, Aliens, this is not a big game. No. SimCity was a big game. SimCity made people hurt. You know, and, okay, you're going to pay money for a game you can't play because you have to be online all the time. Now, Diablo 3. Diablo 3, I get that. I mean, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. But Blizzard had it fixed in a day and a half. Yes. Okay? And everybody knows any game with any multiplayer element to it you need a day and a half, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. If a new battlefield comes out, it's going to take a little time for those servers to get settled. It just happens. But this is, you know, two weeks. And that's just... And the thing is, is it's not a multiplayer game. Um, no. I mean, I guess Diablo wasn't either. But again, a day and a half. I, that, and I was annoyed because I was one of the guys who bought Diablo right away. But I'll tell you what, especially games that are online required, I'm never going to buy one first day. Never again. It's uh, not worth it. It's, it's just not worth it. I'm not doing it. You know, and something like Diablo, I mean, I get why you want to be there day one. Because that it, there is a kind of competitive multiplayer ranking thing happening there. Uh, and you definitely do start off delayed if you, you come in later. But, but something like a SimCity... Uh, no. I don't play SimCity for the next five years at any given point and have the exact same amount of fun with it. But I'll tell you, I just, I can't, at this point, I just don't see, I mean, it, it I can't imagine there's going to be more than two games a year that get my $60 at this point. No, I, I have been hard-pressed. In fact, I was just talking about this the other day with some folks that I haven't bought, XCOM was the last AAA title I bought, and primarily that was because of glowing recommendation from you, and it went on sale. I Before that, I couldn't tell you the last Skyrim. game I bought. Oh, yes, Skyrim. I did buy full price for Skyrim. How long has Skyrim been out? That's a year and a half. Yeah. That was the last time a big-name AAA title came along where I said, yes, you are worth getting my $60. I know you're going to make a good product. I know this game looks awesome. I'm going to give you my money. 
on the other hand, there's been a lot of indie titles that have really been filling up kind of my, my Steam library. I, in fact, but as I was waiting for us to kind of connect and get ready to record tonight, I was playing a couple rounds of, of uh, FTL, Ooh. which is a fantastic little game. Brutal. Oh, it's brutal it's as anything. Brutal. <laughs> but fantastic. You're right. And, five bucks. Uh, five five bucks. bucks. I got it for five bucks on Steam. Yeah. I don't know how and much it's supposed to be, but I got it for five bucks. I think I think at its most expensive, it's been ten bucks. Right. And and it's a great game. It doesn't look super great, but it doesn't need to. It's a great game. And I think that's something that we're starting to realize is that we've spent so much time on style that I think people are starting to realize style is awesome. We love style, but if you don't team that up with a substance of a really great game, I, I'm not you're you're not buying anything with me. You're not earning the right to have glitches. You're not earning the right for me to say, you know what? They screwed up this time. I'm going to stick with them though because they're a good company. You you need to put some serious work into making something that I can sink my teeth into. Otherwise, I got better things to do. I got stuff offline. I got board games. Ah, uh, speaking of, you want to talk expensive. I've spent a lot of money at the game store lately. Yeah, you will. You will. Uh, uh, man, so I, I've actually uh, I've spent a lot of time at my game store lately. Um, they've got some new stuff going on that's really cool, and uh, um, so yeah, I've been just, I've spent a lot of a lot more time there. Uh, they've got some board game nights going now, uh, so that's cool. So you know, it was at the last one we played Ticket to Ride. Such a great game. Yeah, you know, it's a good game to start off a board game night with, and then uh, Cosmic Encounters. I have heard nothing but good things about Cosmic Encounters. There's uh, one guy who I listen to on another podcast uh, specifically about gaming called The Dice Tower. Mm -hmm. uh, the dude who, do who runs The Dice Tower will not shut up about how, mu how Cosmic Encounters is his favorite game of all time. I've never played it. I've never even seen it. It's, uh, it's, it seems really complex. Uh, but once you've gone through like one or two rounds, you figure it out. It's a game... Uh, a little bit like maybe um, uh, War Machine, okay? It's a little bit like War Machine in that every unit in War Machine has one crazy power that just doesn't make any sense. Right. There are in this game... Oh, you know what it's like also? It's like Munchkin. Uh, in that you've got probably like 20 different alien races you can be, uh, and then it's just randomly decided. Um, and, you know, you're talking three people playing, so every game, you're all going to be different races. And they all have completely random sets of powers. And at any given point, other people can be using, can get cards that give them access to other aliens' powers. And so you end up with this really basic mechanic, which is, it's almost like, um, like a risk, or like, uh, it's more... Uh, you know, your card has a power, their card has a power. You match the two powers and see who has the higher thing. It's very simple. But there's so many random, like, what happens when this card mixes with this card? Well, okay, let's try to figure out how this is going to go. Um, that it actually becomes a fairly... It's an, I wouldn't say it's a very tactical game. It's just a really random game where lots of strange things happen all the time. Um, and so it's a game that I think that if you, you want it in your stable to be able to play a lot with the same group of people and still have fun with it, I think this would be a really good game for that. For people who maybe are only going to hit the game once, I, I don't know. Like, uh, the kind of thing you might have, like, when a bunch of people are coming over to play a bunch of different games, uh, it maybe isn't the best for that. But for a regular group of gamers that want variety but playing the same game, it's a really good option. Huh, good to know. Yeah, like I said, I have never even begun to seen it played, so I, I am very curious about it because it gets such glowing reviews from so many different guys all over the, the interwebs, and yeah, I've never seen it, so I've seen a lot of games. I I, I like the fact that there is still so much out there that I've never oh, seen. Oh man, there are so many games out there. And they're coming like crazy at this point. I actually think they're kind of coming a little fast. 
Uh, I mean, look, I mean, I guess you don't want to complain about that necessarily, but uh, there's there's a lot going on. And, you know, I was talking with the owner of uh, the game store, and he's like, we can't even keep track anymore. Oh, yeah. It's like every month something new is the big hotness, you know? And everybody's playing, like one month everybody's playing this, and the next month everybody's playing this, and we're just trying to keep everything in stock and keep everything figured out. At, at the last big con, not not PAX East, but one of the, the one of the, the smaller but very specifically gaming, it was like the gaming developers something or other. I forget which one it was, but apparently this company called WizKids, they just like we got this game and 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 this. Game. Like seven or eight games all got unveiled at the same time. It's yeah. insane. Well, WizKids is Hero Clicks though. Yes, that's so, that's I mean, where they got they, they got money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they made they kind of cut their teeth on hero clicks, but apparently they have broken away from the clicks thing and now have ventured out into so many different directions at the same time. Well, they, they've got um, they've got a lot of games. Uh, there aren't they the ones that do the like the weird little goblin contraption games, and they got a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Uh, but you know, you got but there's major companies now. WizKids, Privateer Press. It's not, I mean, you know, in the past there were the the kind of couple, like two or three little weird... Uh, Let's see, Fantasy Flight, uh, Days of Wonder, right. Asmodee. Right, uh, you know, the little Euro game ones. Yeah, there's a, there's a uh, bunch. And Days of Wonder was pretty much, you know, but now there are, I don't know, like, uh, Privateer Press has board games, role-playing games, tabletop games. Um, there's a lot... I think the worlds are fusing a little bit. And if anyone at Privateer Press would like to send us a review copy, I'd love to learn more. Yeah. <laughs> especially, uh, especially you, because most of Privateer Press's stuff has a very steampunky kind of a go. I've I've looked into War Machine, and oh my goodness, there's one faction of War Machine that are giant steampunk robots from uh, a just relig- religious like zealotry, and I'm like, wait, religious. Steampunk robots. How am I not playing this game? <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's the thing, man. I will say that I'm I'm very excited because uh, the closest thing I have to a local gaming store, which is like 40 minutes away from me, uh, is backing the event that I'm doing with our church on on uh, the 30th, which is you know International Tabletop Day, and uh, they're letting us borrow several already painted Warhammer 40k armies. Oh, nice. So I'm finally going to get to learn how to play Warhammer 40k without having to worry about, about putting out the money to get myself an army without ever knowing so if I'd actually enjoy Are they the sending, game. like, staff to help you play and all that? Uh, one of the guys I know who I was... Uh, he's actually the guy who filled in during your dark ages of computer issues. Ah, yes. We don't discuss this. Yeah, um, Brett Anderson, he was one of our guests, you know, kind of fill-in host guys, and he's a buddy of mine from a long way back. Uh, he actually works at the store, and so obviously when I was going to put this together, he was one of the first calls I made. Nice. He kind of got, he kind of talked with, with his boss about it, and his boss is like, yeah, we've got a tournament going on, you can just, after the tournament, just, they can borrow the army. So I'm like, yes! Nice. I'm very, I, I really am very excited about this. It's a game... Because we, we, I think we've shared this in the past, Luke. I've wanted to get into tabletop wargaming because it looks so awesome, and I, I love a good miniature just like anybody else. Oh yeah. But the initial price tag, the 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 buy-in that you have to give to get into a tabletop wargaming kind of situation, if you don't know that you're gonna like that game, it's a lot of money to put out. If you know you're gonna like that game, it's a lot of it's money a lot to of money out. to put out. I started about two years ago and decided I'm going to get back into Warhammer Fantasy. And I put together a skirmish army, but of course, nobody wants to play a skirmish army. Right. And so I'm working on putting together this army, and the, and the time and the money that it takes to do this, I was just... I was like, you know what? I'm not going any farther. I am not <laughs> buying any more. I, I, I have realized my error... I am backing away now. I'm not doing this. But on this idea of tabletop, I did finally last week decide to recommit to BattleTech. Oh, BattleTech. That's another one that I want to learn how to play. 
I have never played either the tabletop or the role-playing game, See, and I want to because I I came in in the age of MechWarrior. In junior high and high school, I was actually a, like a tournament Battletech player. Wow. Um, this was back in the FASA days. I mean, it's a long time ago, okay? Uh, and I've and they they've come out now. I mean, it's really had a renaissance in the last two years. Oh yeah. Um, and the, the gorgeous starter set, uh, and it's becoming not not super pop. It's not. It's still a niche thing, uh, even amongst gamers. But I've been wanting to play, and I'll tell you, man, uh, our local game store has a game, uh, and they're good guys. But their gaming time is Saturday from 11 till 9. Yep. And they play with like 25 mechs apiece. That's wow. crazy. That, that's like, uh, it's like Warhammer scale. They play Battletech on Warhammer scale is essentially what it is. And I can't, I can't do that. Uh, as, but, but what, I was really excited about was I went to the board game I went to a board game night and I met with a couple people who were like, yeah, we really want to play Battletech, but we don't have time to play with these guys. And I was like, Hmm, <laughs> I have a plan. So I am going to be leading a, uh, a Battletech campaign, a small scale Battletech campaign at our game store here starting in a couple weeks. So I am super, super stoked about that. I had to drop some serious cash to get everything ready to lead this game. But, uh, but that's okay. Um, kind of, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to be leading the Battletech game. So I'm really excited about that. Getting to, uh, getting to play again, be a little, be a little op force and, uh, see if we can blow some holes in these guys, Max. Now, now do you just do the straight up tabletop or do you bring in the whole role playing? I, I bring in the role playing thing. So here's how I like to do it. Um, I like to tabletop when we're together. And role play in between. Do you like play by email kind of stuff, role playing? Yeah, and and so like to get the lance. Okay, so one thing is for me, I don't see any reason to play BattleTech if you're not going to do a campaign. I don't like uh, just like pickup games. I mean, they're fine, but it's really not that complex a game um, to make. Uh, something like War Machine is better for pickup games. Right. Um, so for me, I want these guys to have, I want their mechs to be characters, like in a D&D campaign. Like, and I want them to be able to pick up new equipment, either by purchasing it or by, by uh, looting it off of mechs they've destroyed, um, or, you know, maybe getting paid for doing mercenary work or whatever, right? Uh, I want them to have to deal with the damage their mechs take, have to get that repaired, uh, a lot like you do in a D&D campaign, you know? Uh, if you're out on a campaign... You your hit points don't just magically come back, you know. You've got your uh, your heals, and that's all you've got. And so the, I like to play campaigns, but you know the the core of the game is when you put the mechs, the miniatures on a board and move them around. Uh, and so then I like to do role playing in terms of like, okay, that battle's over. Uh, you're you need to decide whether you're going to travel here, you're going to travel there. How are you going to deal with your damage in the meantime? And those kind of things, and I'll do that kind of e by email, uh, or just you know, uh, in the meantime. Of course, we didn't do it by email back in the day, but <laughs> you know, right? Back in my day, we didn't have this email. Yeah, really. We actually saw each other face to face by gum. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, that's another game I've been intrigued by because I've kind of expanded my gaming horizons. I went from uh, role playing was all D and D, and board gaming was you know the older classics, you know the Monopoly, Risk, whatever. To at some point, I can't pinpoint the exact moment, but at some point, I just blew up, and now I have like thirty different board games that I'm bringing to this event that are from my own collection, <laughs> and I also have you know my, I I have I'm going I'm. Gonna get into Pathfinder. I do still have D and D, but if I once I get Pathfinder, I'm gonna think I'm gonna get rid of D and D. So everything I've heard is the Pathfinder people. They're just they get it, and it's like a drug. 
It's like everything that they've ever wanted out of role playing out of the Pathfinder system. This is what I've heard too, and I think the big, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Whereas when D and D next comes out, they're going to be like, "Hi, buy three fifty dollar books." Uh, Pathfinder comes at me and go, "Hi, all you need is this one book, and you can get it on PDF for ten bucks." Right. Really, a lot easier for me to say yes to that. <laughs> but uh, I digress. But I'm I'm expanding my role playing to like I I'm getting in July. I was part of a, a Kickstarter from Monty Cooks. Uh, Numenera, which I'm very excited about. Um, I've, I play Victoriana, which is a, a steampunk role-playing game. Um, I'm slowly but surely gathering up all these these other games. I really want to get into Dresden Files, but I can't find those books for anything. There's this whole world out there, and in that world was Battletech, the role-playing game, mm-hmm. where you are in charge of like this mercenary corps or... Maybe you're part of the core worlds, or if you're playing in a certain age, you're you're dealing with the clan fight, the clan fighting, and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, this is fantastic. But that that's what kind of why I asked because I know for a fact that there are some people who only play the tabletop, and then there are some people who only play the role playing game. But then there are others who kind of put the two together. And I was curious where you stood on that. Yeah, I like to put them together. But oh, uh, there's there's just so much out there. There and is. I want to I want to play all of it. There, just all of it. You know, and that I think I don't know for whatever reason. I mean, I know it seems silly, but I think Geek and Sundry has helped a lot. Oh, Geek and Sundry has. They're they're not the only voice out there. No, but, but... they're the one. I th- somehow since they've showed up, maybe they just have really good timing. I don't know, but since they've shown up. I think they have really good marketing. It just seems to like the whole world of game store stuff has just bubbled up. Just, I mean, just another layer. I mean, it's still like way down there. When, I get that, but but when the crown king and queen of the internet in Will Wheaton and Felicia <laughs> Day join forces to rise up against boring Saturdays with nothing to do. Yeah, I mean the 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 minute that they like they got the agreement together that even even Target now, in fact I just bought Pandemic and Dixit. I can't believe uh, Pandemic was at Target. Yeah, I bought Pandemic and Dixit at Target because I was walking through and it was there. They had this the second edition of Pandemic, um, just sitting there on the shelf, and I'm like, you'll be mine <laughs> for a lot cheaper than you would have gotten it at uh, at your game store. Uh, uh, no, I am. I I will jump in on that. I you know, there's plenty of other stuff we can talk about tonight. But the one thing I will jump on that. If it if I had a friendly local gaming store, the guys that that are letting me play with these Warhammer minis, the guy the the guys where where Brett works at uh, they're it's called it's a store called Maplewood Hobby. If they were closer, if I didn't have to plan a trek to go out there, I would. Definitely give them my business. See, because I, I actually do have to plan a trek, and I I just I discussed it with my wife. Like, hey, I want to play this game. It means probably twice a month. It's an hour away, so it's gonna and you know two hours of play time. I'm gonna be gone for like four hours twice a month. That's right. that's intense. But um, and you're right. Like to buy the BattleTech stuff there versus buying it on Amazon was more expensive. I don't care, you know. These are the these are the people who like they're gonna leave their shop open so that people can play games in their game room. That game room doesn't make them much money, you know. It's just a place for the community to gather. They're they know they're doing things that you know. Yeah, they probably could do things in ways that would make more money. They could charge five bucks an hour to use their game room, but they don't, you know. They don't, you know, and. They're definitely worth supporting. We we are definitely pro friendly local gaming stores here. Yes, and uh, I'm extra pro m- art mine now. Uh, it's called the Game Habitat. It's in Monterey. Uh, some new owners of the last couple of years are awesome people. They're just the kind of people you're like, hey, uh, I don't really need anything today. I just came to see you. <laughs> you know. Uh, nice. So yeah, very cool people. And uh, it, it's also just, I don't know, I really feel like the game store, uh, my game store, has a different vibe now than it did two years ago. 
Oh, there's a lot to be said, especially if you're saying that they recently had a change in ownership. They did, and that's part of it. But I think, like, every time I'm there, somebody comes in, it's like, hey, um, I played games before, and I kind of want to come back now. And that's cool. It's just, I keep seeing all these people who are like, yeah, I played when I was younger or whatever, and now I want to come back. And I honestly believe it's because of positive press from stuff like Geek and Sundry. You know, stuff like Tabletop. Um, that What's the new show on Geek and Sundry that you were telling me about? It's like Tabletop, but it's not on the table? On the table. Oh, I love that which, show, dude. <laughs> it's literally, it's literally, uh, it's a British show. And that's all they do is they say, this is what this company's come out oh, with. It's this awesome. Board games, Kickstarters, war, war gaming. It, it, uh, if you're listening to our show and you want to know like all the stuff we're pulling from to talk to you about. That's there. one of the places it's, we go. <laughs> it's like a 15 minute once every, I don't even know how often they do them, but it's like a 15 minute. All it is, is here's what's new. Here's what's new. Here's what's new. There you go. And off you go. <laughs> That's it's great. It's a great way and, to keep up. And I will say that because they're a more established thing, they can do things like offer prizes every time they do a video. And I will totally say that I have put my name in almost every week. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I haven't won anything yet, but I'm going to keep trying. Nice. They're gonna. They're gonna. I'm one of these days. I'm going to just come in and I'm going to have the the war gaming bug. I'm going to be covered in miniature paint. And, <laughs> and, and you're just going to know that I would have won something from them, and I had to. I had to make it pretty. In fact, that's that's one of the reasons. That's another reason why I kind of hope that I don't like Warhammer 40k because Susan has looked at me and says, "You don't have time to paint miniatures. I will not sit by and let you <laughs> waste your time painting little men." <laughs> she didn't really appreciate it either when I looked at her and go, "But Susan, you can't play with an unpainted army." <laughs> oh, dude, you got to go like my style, rattle can all the way, baby. Rattle can <laughs> all the way. I would say I I don't think I'm gonna get into to Warhammer 40k. It's too specifically. Expensive. It's too expensive. Games Workshop is a terrible company. Uh, love, amen to that. I love I, I love their I stuff. Go, I don't want to go into too much of a rant, and I'm not gonna be like this this snob of whatever. I'm just gonna tell you: do your homework, and you'll find out. Games Workshop is a terrible company. Yeah. Uh, and but, uh, they're just their business practices are very. I mean, look, it's good for them. Oh yeah, if they can pull it off, I can't fault them for it. But, but it also means. But they I'm will. Not they will screw them. their customers on every given opportunity, because right. they know that it's a closed system. Right. You know, and that is but, that is a problem. You know, I mean, there are gaming systems out there that are generic, and uh, will let you tr do all kinds of different things in their gaming systems. But, Again, if anybody from Privateer Press would like to send us a review <laughs> copy, I'd be happy to to play like it's going out of style, and I'm sure I'd give a glowing review. Have you seen Iron Kingdoms? Yes, of uh, course I've seen okay. Iron Kingdoms. <laughs> uh, so, of course uh, I've uh, seen all right, Iron all right, Kingdoms. So we have nerded out now for 40 minutes, and... It, it's what we do. Yeah, and I, I actually see us accelerating here, not decelerating. So, So perhaps we should back the truck up a little bit because we do need to recognize that it is a fairly significant moment in the Christian calendar. What? Uh, <laughs> actually, as fo folks listen to this, they are probably just finished with, I don't know, is it, does it come out Monday or next Monday? It, it'll, it'll come out Monday. So this will be the post Easter. I can't believe I had to go back to work after the day after a holiday vibe. All right, well, see, here we are helping you out. Aren't we good? <laughs> uh, but it is, it is, of course, uh, the, the Passion Week. It is, of course, Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday, if you prefer that. And, uh, you know, we, we, got, we should talk about it, I think. I, I think it's, it's definitely a valid thing to talk about, I would imagine. You know, and, and I'm sure that, uh, that most, most of the people who are listening to this show probably are very busy with their own churches and, and everything going on. Uh, around the Easter season. Uh, I am traveling this Easter, so I will be... I'm actually not sure where I'll be on Easter morning. Uh, it's, I'm sure wherever the family uh, we are staying with takes us, that's where we will go. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of missing our church's uh, Easter stuff, which is a little bit of a bummer. But it is, a, it is kind of a travel 
time. So um, that's a little bit uh, unfun for me. But uh, we'll get to see what the family does for, for Easter and what their churches do. So that's okay by me too. Well, that's always a good thing. Uh, for us, it's going to be a little, little bit of interesting. It's a mixed bag scenario. On Friday night, uh, our church is doing a Good Friday kind of service. Um, it's it's kind of in the way of like a passion play kind of thing. But instead of what you normally think of when you have a church's passion play, we got a guy in charge of our, our dramas who literally is doing Broadway quality stuff on a much smaller scale. So... Yeah, our our dramas are really amazing, and I'm I'm looking forward to it because my my buddy is playing Jesus, so I'm very excited about that. That's gonna be Friday night. Saturday we have you know the uh, the game day, and that is gonna it's gonna be really interesting because I at first I kind of did it just kind of as a, an outreach, kind of as a like yeah let's let's get people together to play games. It really is proving to be an amazing kind of ministry because. I've never seen this weird conglomeration of people come together, and I'm hoping by the time this actually airs, I'll be able to like splice in. Oh my goodness, guys! This is uh, uh, this was such an amazing event. And so, in fact, I'm going to pause right here just for my editing sake because right here is where I'm going to turn it over to Future Mike, and Future Mike is going to tell you how awesome the event was. Hello, all. Future Mike here, giving you tales from the beyond. All right, not really. I am going to talk to you about my church's international game day gameathon. We got the guys together to play ten hours of games, forty plus people. I did, I lost track at some point because we had people in and out the doors constantly, but about forty plus people showed up, and most of the day was spent just gaming. At one point, I kind of stepped back from the tables and just kind of gave the the overview of things, and there were at least six different tables. Each table had their own game. Each game had about six or seven people at it. It was so cool to see. Sadly, though, I will report that I did not get to play uh, Warhammer. There was a lineup of guys that wanted to play Warhammer, and I'm a big fan of letting other people jump in on that. I'm not that kind of guy. Like, I ran this event, so I'm going to get in here first. So... I was very happy to step back, let other people learn how to play that while I taught people other games. Uh, I will say that one game that I did not think I was going to play that I ended up playing is a little game called King of Tokyo, where we were all playing as giant monsters who's tr vying for control to be the monster that actually destroys Tokyo. I had so much fun playing as Cyber Monkey. I lost terribly every time, but it was so much fun. Never have dice been so awesome. Uh, anyway, the thing was a huge success. Thank you, anybody who was out there who prayed for it uh, because of the other previous announcements. Uh, definitely going to be making this something that is going to be a much more prevalent thing. I want to I spend more time uh, making these events into regular things and putting more effort into it, more promotion, all that stuff, because I really see a whole lot of stuff that can be used greatly by God, not only because it's a lot of fun, but because this was an event where probably half the people were at the church and had, had never even heard the gospel. They weren't Christians. And yet we got together and relationships were formed that really are just awesome. And it all happened over a game board. So this is Future Mike kind of signing off saying, if you haven't gotten out there and got some board games, got some card games, got some video games, got something that makes inroads into the lives of people, you should do that because that's the way that God's going to use you to impact the people around you. Back to you guys. Dude, Future Mike, that was so good to hear. <laughs> I know. That guy is awesome. I love that guy. Man, we should get him on the show more often. <laughs> but, um, but yes, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that and, and Future Mike's response. But um, uh, yeah, I'm actually Sunday, I'm really I'm I'm looking forward to that report. I really am because I want to know how it goes because I love this idea. I love this idea so much. If if everybody that that told me that they're gonna show up shows up, yeah, I'm gonna have like fifty or sixty people. <laughs> nice for an event that I literally just threw together on a whim 
earlier this month when Felicia when Day it was got announced. on the internet. Yeah. yeah, when Felicia Day got on the internet and said, hey, we're doing this thing. The other, And then Sunday, uh, it's going to be a combination of things. We're going to start off, um, my wife's dad is a, is a minister. Oh. Uh, so we're going to go to his church for uh, Easter Sunday morning. Uh, and then after that, we're going to go hang out and have dinner with my family. So it's kind of pulling the double family thing, but in a much more manageable sort of way. Right. So uh, that's nice. Yeah, well, in a way, your family lives close enough together that uh, that you can do that. Yeah, and it, it's kind of it's kind of good because, oddly enough, while I'm going to spend my Saturday playing board games and trying to hopefully hold back the hordes of people coming into the church, um, my family is actually going to be helping my wife move our stuff to an apartment that is actually closer to my parents. I'm actually going to be end oh, up you're moving. moving. Yeah, I'm going to end up moving like a block and a half away from my parents. I'm going back into the old neighborhood. And uh, I'm very excited about this because it, it kind of opens up some doors that had to get shut for a while. Uh, like with my EMTs. I'm, I'm the, for those of you who don't know, I'm the chaplain for our uh, local volunteer first aid squad, our local volunteer EMTs. I haven't been able to hang out with them recently because, well, I've been in another town but uh, moving back into the, into the old neighborhood, I plan on being able to hang out with them a lot more and, and kind of reconnect there. So I'm very excited about it. And I also am very happy about the apartment we got because it's cheaper and better than our current one. It's the best of both worlds. That's awesome. Uh, sounds like you're, you're going to be – you've got quite a couple of days. Like, like, like I said, I'm busy upon busy. It's kind of ridiculous. Nice. Nice. But – but Luke, we kind of mentioned the fact that this is pretty much one of, if not the most important uh, days in the in the Christian calendar. I I would argue that it is the most important. Yeah, well, in terms of the spiritual weight of the thing, I I think so. I mean, it's obviously in terms of the the social weight of it, it's not. But uh, in terms of our faith, it absolutely, I think that it is. You know, and it's. It's one of those questions that, uh, I, you know, I think I was probably in Bible college maybe when somebody first asked me, you know, are you a uh, a Christmas, Good Friday, or Easter <laughs> kind of Christian? Right. And, uh, you know, and of course when you're in Bible college, everything is profound. It's the nature of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. We could have an episode just about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember those days when everything was new and wonderful, and I'd never heard of it before. Right, um, and but you know, at that point, it really did get me thinking. And uh, you know, I, it's funny because it's those things that you kind of people say to you when really early on that they just kind of pry their way into your brain, and you can never get them out. Uh, but at this point, uh, and, and of course, uh, one of the things about Easter week is. Uh, if, if you're a fan of like the History Channel or Science Channel or Discovery or anything like that, Everybody you're just like, you're just like bombarded with these things, you know. And I always kind of I look at it and I say, okay, well, what part of Jesus' life do I focus on? Do I focus on his incarnation and his life, the things he did while he was here? Do I focus on his death or do I focus on his resurrection and and I really am a resurrection kind of a person. Uh don't get me wrong, I I really try not to avoid the other stuff. Um but for me resurrection it it takes the story and brings it into the present. Because because Jesus is still alive, it's not just a it's not just a past tense story anymore that I, I can read about. It, it, it's a present tense story. He's with me here. And, uh, you know, I, obviously I think every Christian, because of their own experience or just maybe even their own personality, is going to answer a question like that differently. But uh, for me, uh, resurrection is, is really sort of the heart of my faith. And so it, it definitely, for at least for me to answer the question, it is definitely the, the most important uh, day of the Christian year. Well, you, you kind of bring up an interesting point, and it's not—it's not. I'm not going to go on a, the same kind of vibe, but at the same point, kind of use that as a jumping-off point for for something that that 
kind of took hold of me in the probably the past I don't know towards the end of seminary was when it when it really kind of sank in was the idea that people tie in Good Friday to part of the celebration. And now we use the celebration and holiday and all that stuff. You know, these are words that get tossed around right now. But there are a lot of people like, yay, Good Friday, Good Friday is awesome. And no, no, it isn't. And I, this is something that, that I, I, I know at this point it's going to be, this is going to be airing after the holiday, so it's kind of moot. But maybe eh. this is something that, that uh, folks can think about next year when this rolls around. Um, I had a, a lot of, of great people kind of speak into my life and, and one, a professor in particular, and he kind of pointed out to me the idea of, of Good Friday as a time of silent ref reflection and even in mourning. And part of me on a theological level really gets into that because it's true. I mean, there's, this, this is what sin looks like. Um, anybody who's ever sat through a very painful, awkward, and sobbing-inducing uh, showing of the Passion of the Christ will tell you that, that this is a horrible thing. And this, this is what the weight of sin looks like. This is what the pain caused from our sin looks like. So on that theological level, there's that. But I also, as a guy who is, is very much into story and that this is that these stories existed these are real people that dealt with this stuff this isn't just like like you know like fictional characters floating around in a fictional world this really happened and so i started putting myself in the shoes of these people who had been spending the past 3 years thinking i'm following the messiah and then to to look up and to see him dead to in in some instances fleeing the city because they're there's afraid for their own lives i this is not a, a happy time this is a time of mourning this is a time of loss this is a time of literally you know the the people were questioning did i just waste my time did i give myself completely to a of a, a liar of falsehood did i you know or maybe they at that point they were still kind of believing that Christ is who he says he is, but then they have to deal with the fact that he just died. And how could he be who he said he was if he just died, even though he spent all that time saying this was going to happen? And Good Friday for me has taken on a completely different vibe because of this understanding. It also... When Good Friday is seen in that kind of light, in this idea of mourning, in this, this moment of, of almost fear and kind of you put yourself in that, that moment of Christ's death, when Easter Sunday rolls around and, and you see the resurrection and you celebrate the stone being rolled away and you sing those old songs and you hear those old passages... It's a completely different experience, and it, in my in my own life, in my own, I don't want to say the word experience again, but I can't help it because I don't have another one. In my own experience, it it's just such a beautiful thing when you come out of Good Friday and see the glory of the resurrection. That is something that is just fantastic, and you realize what God has done. You realize both the weight and the the pain and the hurt and the consequences of sin and the joyous amazing gracious gift that the resurrection was that death really was killed and it's fantastic oh well, i think you're you're absolutely right you know we embrace the fantastic all the more when we embrace the pain and I think you're absolutely right. I love that to to Good Friday. It's a terrible name, but it's a it's a time of mourning. It's a time of loss. And Easter is a time of rebirth and recovery. And I, I think it is beautiful. And you 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 talked about it in terms of story. And you know, I think I honestly believe 
that the way that God created us, the reason we tell all of the stories that we tell is because he designed us to respond to his story. Mm. And I, I, you know, that all, and you and I, man, and, and, and every geek out there, we love the stories. <laughs> uh, and to, to allow ourselves, and, and maybe you're listening to this show, and, I, you know, I don't know who listens to this show. There's a lot of people who listen to this show. Maybe we you're have just, the, we have the most amazing cross section of humanity listening to us. And yeah, I love that. And, and maybe you're listening because we talk about geeky stuff. Uh, I believe and I that all of the geeky stuff that we love ultimately finds its roots in the story of God. And I encourage you to go out there and to look at that story and to to read the story of Jesus and follow him through his epic journey. And when you come to that last moment, that moment of resurrection and realize that you're invited to be a part of that story. It's for me, it was life changing. And I believe that it it will be for anybody who takes the time and with an open heart approaches this story. And, uh, you know, this is a great time to do it. And, and I realize that this is coming out a little bit after Easter, but if you're listening and you have never, you know, looked into this, maybe, maybe you're interested in looking into, to Christianity and maybe that's why you're listening to the show. You're, you're a geek, you, you like gaming and you found out that there are actually Christians out there who do these kind of things and you're, you're wondering, it's a great opportunity for you to check it out. All right. So Mike, you're, you're really busy this week. You've got an awesome weekend coming up. Uh, how can folks connect with you? Find out about how everything went. Uh, the biggest way is to hit up the game store profits, Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash game store profits. I pretty much handle the majority of the stuff that gets posted on there. I uh, put internet spaceships on there from time to time. You do. You do. You did put on your Eve spaceships, and I'm happy that I'm no longer in that world. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be on that. If you email us, we're definitely always up for emails. We, If you guys want to hear us talk about a specific topic or a specific anything... Then uh, hit us up with emails, gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. I'm the guy who answers those. And uh, you can also check us out. I kind of posted it, speaking about the Facebook page, I kind of posted on there. um, When we created a logo, it was basically like, all right, we're going to do this podcast. We need to come up with a logo. So you have thirty was, minutes, Mike. Go. It was it was it was me. I took about a half hour of skimming through Google Images for various geeky things. And then it took me about a half hour, just real quick, once I had the images, to make those images look like something. At my best, I am a strictly amateur designer. I, I have Photoshop and I have patience. It's basically all I have. Um, as, as things kind of roll forward with, with Game Store Profits, we kind of want to put that sort of element into like, I don't know, the hands of people with talent. So if you guys are out there and, and you have access to, to make awesome stuff, if you're a really talented designer, um, we're looking for a logo. Uh, we really can't pay for it because we don't make money on this. But we would be happy. I would shout your name from the rooftops. Uh, and we would make sure that if, if, and if there ever comes a day when Game Store Profits has like merch, and we use your logo, we will totally work something out with you. But uh, send anything that you make uh, to GameStoreProvice at gmail.com because we want to see awesome stuff. We know that you guys are talented. We know that there are people listening to us who uh, are way better at this stuff than I am. So we we definitely want to see what you guys can come up with. So, Luke, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me uh, on my website, lukenavarro.com. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of the way for now. I think there may be more coming in the future, but uh, for right now, that's the best way. And uh, as always, just want to encourage you guys to spread the word uh, about the show. Uh, one way you could do it, I know it's really annoying, 
but is by going to iTunes and leaving not just a uh, not just a score but a comment uh, that helps a lot in the iTunes system of uh, seeking out podcasts. And uh, as we've said before, we are a really niche show. We're like the baby of two niches, and uh, <laughs> and so we need all the help we can get on that. And front. you guys, and you guys have been doing such a great job. The reason that that we get listened to as much as we do is is pretty much because of you guys, uh, who are getting out there and and hitting the share button, talking about you know what we're doing. Uh, we're really excited about the future and what it holds. Like we're, we've made some some good relationships with like the guys at GameChurch.com and uh, Derek White, the Geek Preacher, and we want to keep doing stuff like that. And we're really, you know, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. But if it, if we're just two guys shouting through the internet, that's we're just going to get lost in the noise. But if each one of you guys goes out, uh, whether it's iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher. Any of these things and let people know that we're out here, it, it just lets us kind of put out what we're doing to more people. So we're definitely looking for you guys to help us out there. And we really appreciate all of you guys who come back to listen to us regularly. Absolutely. So, folks, uh, remember that God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>